0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
1: Good morning, Kensington. So good to see you. How's everybody doing this morning? Good to see you all here. A very special welcome. to so those of you who are joining us online, we got a great day. It's an exciting day around here. we got some fun stuff to talk about at the end, but before we get there, we're going to be continuing this conversation that we've been in about defining moments. We all have moments in our life that define us or they attempt to define us. And one of those moments is when, we've all experienced this, when we fail, when we mess up. Those failures can attempt to define us, but the good news of the gospel of Jesus, the story of Jesus is that God is a redemptive God who is redeeming us even as we sit here today. His work of redemption is working in our lives and he's working in and through our failure to bring us into a bigger story. And so before we talk about that, I wanna just sing this song and I hope this encourages you.
0: When I look into your eyes, can tell that we are Feeling the same hurts, hiding the same scars We both got our reasons for giving up What could I say that could ever convince you Every moment that all you've been through Is somehow being written by a God of love but There's a bigger story Hero. Better, it's hero. got a greater in me. It's nothing only, only he knows. And the best news is you don't have to always be stronger than whatever comes at you. You ain't a bigger story. It's got a better hero. When you look at your mistakes, and it's got you asking, Why does God just? Let it happen You'd rather be the author Of your life better hero. It's not.
1: Good news, isn't it? Well, take a minute. Why don't you stand up, find someone you didn't come with, and say hello this morning.
2: Hey, good morning everybody, happy, happy Sunday. So glad that you all are here. So I wanna say welcome to all of you here in the room. For those of you joining via stream, you are with the Troy campus this morning and grateful for you as well and that we can be connected in this way. And so before we launch into where we're headed today, I just want to let you know about some really exciting things that are happening this week. And the first is, is that if you have volunteered, if you have served, if you have led in any capacity this past year, we want to invite you to come join here, actually out in the lobby at 6.30 this coming Tuesday because we want to celebrate you. And let me say that if you have served or led in any capacity this past year, I am personally so incredibly grateful for you because I know that so many people, they haven't been serving just once or twice a month, but really three times and four times because we have needed so many more leaders and volunteers, especially as we begin, as we have opened up more and more and more. And so we'd love for you to come and we're gonna have dinner together. We're also going to be looking back and really sharing stories about the incredible things that God has done, not just in our community, but through it as well, and also spending some time looking forward. And so, if you are planning to be there on Tuesday, we'd love for you to RSVP, and all you have to do is go to that website, kensingtonchurch.org, forward slash Troy Celebration, to be able to do that, or for those of us here in the room, we can go out to the hub, you'll see people with bright orange shirts on out there, and you can just let them know that you are coming, And but we'd love for you to be there this coming Tuesday night for that. Also, something that we celebrated at 9 a.m. And if you were here at the 9 a.m. service, and I know that some of you were serving in different capacities, that before that service, you probably saw people who were really, really well-dressed, and maybe you thought, I wonder why they're here, I wonder why they're so well-dressed, because most of us are wearing shorts and all of that this time of the year. And the reason was, was because in the chapel, we had six babies who were dedicated today, which was incredible. And so we can give a clap for that. And so if you are parents of a small child of a baby and you've wondered about dedication or if you want to take that next step, we'd love to have a conversation with you. Again, just drop by the hub out there and we can answer any questions that you may have and also provide you with next steps. And so today, we are in the second week of our series, Defining Moments. And last week, we kicked things off by sharing the story of Adam Karshner, who's our lead pastor over at our Clinton Township campus. And really, the purpose of this series is for different leaders within our Kensington community to share about a defining moment that they've experienced in their life, a moment that significantly shaped how they view themselves, how they view God, and impacted the trajectory of their life. And so today, we're going to be hearing from one of our teaching pastors, Shauna Schwanninger, and she's been here before. She's an amazing communicator, great, great leader. And she's going to be talking about something that she experienced in her life that I know that every single one of us, we've also encountered in our life as well. And this something has the ability to either paralyze us, or if we choose to surrender it to God, it can propel us forward into the future that he has for us. So in just a moment, we're gonna see the first portion of Shauna's story. And then we're gonna be hearing a song that was written by our very own music director, Michael King, that speaks perfectly to the journey that we are on today. So let's take a look at the first part of her story.
3: Failure is not an option. The relentless drive, the fear. Failure is a part of what it means to be human. But most of us can't bring that into our own personal lives. Whether we fail terribly and promise ourselves never again, or whether we've done most everything right, and we're terrified we'll lose everything if we make a mistake. And so we strive for perfection. We strive to please. We strive to achieve. When I was in Bible school, one of the things that we were part of was this motivational school assembly program. It was a program that got to travel locally and nationally. We would go to middle schools and high schools. We would bring this message of going for your dreams, dream big, you can overcome things, anything is possible, this big motivational kind of thing. But the best part of it, and really the intentional part, was the conversations that we would have afterwards. Those times where you could be sitting in the bleachers and with one-on-one with a student and they would just start sharing their life. I got to do that throughout my whole Bible school experience. And in my final time, I actually became a leader in that. I remember this one school very specifically. We had been instructed by our director that we were to just come back afterwards We're at the school, though, and it was incredible. The assembly was amazing, and afterwards, our team is connecting. They are connecting with students, connecting with faculty. It was just an incredible time, and so myself and one other leader, we just said, you know what? We need to stay. This is the meaningful work. This is significant. This is why we do this. This is why we come to the schools, and so we did We stayed, and it was just amazing, and we were so excited. We got back, we're unloading the truck and the van and everything, and we were just all riding high because of just what an amazing assembly this had been. And so about an hour or so later, I receive a page, not a text or a phone call, but a page, and it was to come see the director in his office. And so I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, he's going to come. He wants to hear all about this amazing assembly that we had been a part of. But soon as I stepped foot into that office, it was the complete opposite. You could feel the anger and the tension in the air. And he was irate because we had not come back. And instantly I knew, I was like, oh my gosh, I have messed up and I have messed up big time. And it destroyed me. The director did everything that he knew how in that moment to make sure that I would never make a mistake again and that I was going to pay for it. I don't remember how I left the office, but I just beelined for the bathroom. And I just stood there, completely broken, shattered, and just not even knowing what to do. And I stood there going, I don't have anywhere safe to go. Here I am at Bible school. I'm over a thousand miles away from what probably would have been my safe place, my home where my family was. They lived in another country, and I just stood there going, what happens now? How do you keep going? I mean, there was nothing left in me, nothing that would want to ever step foot in another school to do a school assembly to just walk out and just join the other students to be with the people that i had been doing life with for the last couple years and so i kind of just took a moment i looked in the mirror it kind of got to this point where i just said okay well you gotta suck it up and get back out there also can't let this ever happen again. My response became, well, you can't experience that again. So let's go the complete opposite. Let's not live in failure or mistakes, but let's make sure we never allow that to happen. My life became this striving, this aspiration for perfection. But then there's like this opposite side. There's this striving for perfection, making sure everything is excellent, everything is perfect. But then there's this side where because you're not, and because of this experience that I failed and the the response that I got from that person, that means then since I'm not perfect and I'm not making it, then I must not be of any value. And all of a sudden that failure becomes that defining value of who I am, creates these insecurities and those seep deep, they seep into all areas of life. They definitely seeped into my relationship with God, but in, to my relationship with my husband and as we started a family and in all the activities and my work and everything, it was always this need for perfection, but since I can't attain that, then I'm always less than. And it's like this internal war traps you.
0: a solid place to land So now I wonder what was it then that turned your eyes to a dark red It was a look I had never seen And what you despise with me.
2: Failure can be absolutely devastating. And something that Shauna said in her story that really struck me this morning is that the pain that results from our failures, it doesn't just impact us, but it can leak out and it can infect the relationships around us. It can impact our relationship with God, and it can also impact the relationships that we have with family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, all of these people. And for every single one of us, we've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short, and we've all failed. And maybe it was something small, like forgetting to pick up the milk on our way home, forgetting to pay our bills on time. Or maybe it was something larger, like failing an exam, getting fired from our job, or like Shauna, failing to meet the expectations of our boss. And failure is an unavoidable aspect of the human experience. But it can get particularly dangerous when we begin to believe that failure isn't what we've done, but rather it's who we are. That it's not an incident, but rather it's a part of our identity. And when we begin to view failure in this way, it can take years, decades, maybe even the rest of our life to recover and to heal from. But the good news is, is that God wants to take these moments that we try to hide away from the world, and he wants to take them and he wants to redeem them and he wants to redefine them so they no longer paralyze us and hold us back, but rather he wants to use these moments to not only change us, but also in the process, impact the people around us as well. And my hope and my prayer for us as a community today is that because we've all been touched by failure, we've all experienced the pain of it, that it would no longer hold us back, but rather we would take a step forward towards God and towards the freedom that he offers us. Today. So as you continue on, would you join me in prayer? So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this is your heart for us, Lord, not to be paralyzed, but to rather move forward into the life, Lord, that you desire for us, God, the freedom that your Son purchased for us on the cross. So we pray today, Lord, that you would show us how to do that, bring to mind, speak to us as only your Holy Spirit can, and also give us the courage to then respond. Lord, with a yes, and to move in the direction that you desire for us to move today. And we thank you, Lord. Thank you for this beautiful community, Lord. For the people here in the seats and for those watching online, thank you, Lord, for each life, Lord, that is of infinite value made in your image. We desire to be more like you. Show us how to do that. And we pray these things in your son's name, amen. And when we look at the scriptures The Bible is full of stories of people who failed, whether it be Adam and Eve, which is in the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, to people like Sarah and Abraham, Moses, Noah, King David, the list goes on and on. And some of these people that I just mentioned were some of the greatest leaders in all of the Bible. And today we're going to be looking at the story of another great leader whose story is found in the Old Testament. And he was one of Jesus' closest disciples, a man by the name of Peter who failed in a massive, massive way. And in looking at his story, we're going to see two factors that not only contributed to his failure, but oftentimes contributes to failure in our life as well. And some of these thoughts that I'm going to give you today are actually from a pastor and author named Rick Warren. And also, what we're also going to be talking about today is when it comes to failure, how God not only wants to transform them, but also use them in the lives of other people as well. And when we look at the New Testament, it actually tells us a lot about who this disciple Peter was. And some of the things that we know about Peter was that he was married, that he was a fisherman by trade, and he was introduced to Jesus by his brother, Andrew. And when Jesus called Peter to come and follow him, Peter being Peter, he just dropped everything and he went. And he became a part of Jesus's inner circle along with two other disciples named James and John. And Peter was the brash disciple. He was the bold one. He was the one who was oftentimes the first to speak, the first to act, but the last to think through the potential consequences. And in the garden of Gethsemane, the night before Jesus was to be crucified and killed. This is the conversation that Peter had with Jesus. And Matthew writes in his gospel, Then Jesus told them, meaning his disciples, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And then Peter responded by saying, Even if all fall away on account of you, I Never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will disown me three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And so notice what Peter says. He says to Jesus, Even if everybody else denies you, Jesus, I won't, because I am with you to the end. And this guy is bold and courageous enough, not just to say it once to Jesus, but he actually doubles down on it. And if you know anything about Peter's story, what ultimately ended up happening was that he ends up denying Jesus three times, twice to children. That's how courageous he was. That's how much he was with Jesus. And so what we see is that the very first factor that contributed to Peter's failure and that oftentimes contributes to ours as well is that we overestimate our strengths that we overestimate how truly strong we are. We think we're stronger than we are. We think we can handle more than we actually can. And in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul said something very similar. And these words are from a translation of the Bible called The Message, which is a paraphrase translation. And this is what Paul writes. He says, "Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt." You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. And what Paul is warning us against is, is exactly what we're talking about right now, overestimating our strengths. He's warning us against overconfidence. And probably most of us, if not all of us, have heard of the company Blockbuster, And my kids are actually sitting over there, and it's crazy to think that they have never, ever been to a video store before. Never. They never had to actually leave their home to go and rent a movie. But we all have heard of Blockbuster. And Blockbuster, in its heyday, they had more than 9,000 locations. They had more than 50 million—let me actually count that. I think it was 50 million— Yep, they had more than 50 million members and they were valued at almost $5 billion as a company. They looked absolutely unstoppable. And in 2000, in the year 2000, Netflix, which was just a startup at the time, they came to them and they offered to sell Blockbuster, their company, for a mere $50 million. And this would have allowed Blockbuster to take a big step into the streaming market. But the story goes that Blockbuster passed on the deal saying that the price was too high and they laughed Netflix out of their office. Because Blockbuster's thinking at the time was, you know what, we got this, right? We don't need you, we're, we're the king of the castle, we're on top of the world. They overestimated their strengths. And as a result, they didn't see change coming on the horizon, and when change actually came, they were too slow to respond. And so just 10 years later, in 2010, they were forced to declare bankruptcy And now they've gone from having more than 9,000 physical locations to having one in Bend, Oregon, of all places. Whereas Netflix, it has, you've been there, right? You've been there, fantastic. They did an Airbnb thing there, apparently. But anyways, but whereas Netflix, it has more than 220 million customers worldwide. It's valued at almost $90 billion. It's crazy. And they said, hey, no thank you, to $50 million for buying that company. And there, a lot of companies have failed because they overestimated their strengths. And a lot of battles have been lost because armies have overestimated their strengths. A lot of spouses have had affairs because they overestimated their strengths. Because they thought, you know what? It's no big deal. I can handle this. Nothing is going to happen until it did. And every single one of us, whether we're here in this room or whether we're watching on stream... We all have the capability, we all have the ability to make mistakes. And given the right circumstances, we all have the ability to fail, not only God, but also the people around us who we say we love the most. And the moment that we think we can't is the moment that we are the most vulnerable. And so what we see, this is exactly what we see with Peter, is that he overestimated his strengths. But in addition to overestimating his strengths, the second factor that we see with Peter that contributed to his failure and that oftentimes also contributes to failure in our life is that we follow Jesus at a distance. And after Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and taken away, this is what Matthew in his gospel tells us happened. And that those who had arrested Jesus took him to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the teachers of the law and the elders had assembled. But Peter followed him, meaning he followed Jesus at a distance, right up to the courtyard of the high priest. Peter entered and sat down with the guards to see the outcome. And what we see is is that the reason Peter followed Jesus from a distance, it's not like rocket science. The reason why he did this was because he was safer and more comfortable. And many of us, we do the same thing. We're willing to follow Jesus as long as it's safe as long as it's comfortable. Because if we're honest, we want the good things that Jesus offers us. I do, and I know that many of you do as well. We want Jesus to bless us as well as our family. But we don't necessarily want to pay the cost. We're willing to follow Jesus as long as. We're willing to follow Jesus as long as our kids are okay. As long as we have money in the bank, As long as the people that we love don't tragically die, we're willing to follow Jesus as long as life goes our way. But this isn't the life that Jesus invites us into. He doesn't say, hey, come follow me and your life will be safe and comfortable. If anything, Jesus promises us the opposite. He says, if you come and follow me, There'll be more challenge in your life. It'll be more difficult. There'll be more obstacles in your life because the invitation that Jesus offers us as human beings, as his children is, is take up your cross and follow me. And what that means is, is that what he desires from us, how he desires for us to follow him is total surrender to give him everything because Jesus doesn't just simply want to be the savior of our life. He also wants to be the Lord of our life. And that he wants to guide, he wants to direct us, he wants to be the king of our life because he understands that when that happens, then we will experience the life that he's created us to live, a life that this world cannot give us, that nothing in this world can even come close to that. But at the same time, if this is going to happen, it requires us not to follow Jesus from a distance like Peter did, but rather to begin to move towards him and to come close And when there's distance in our relationship with Jesus, what ends up happening is that we become so much more vulnerable because we can't fully take hold of the hope, the joy, the peace, the power, the strength, the love, and the life that he offers to us. And when we look at what Peter was doing in this instance, in the physical distance that was present between him and Jesus, I truly believe that that was an indication, that was symbolic of the spiritual distance that was present in their relationship as well, which made Peter so much more vulnerable. And as we talked about, what ended up happening was that Peter denied Jesus three times. And that after this, he was filled with remorse, he was filled with regret, shame, as well as guilt. And what ended up happening was that Peter, he ran away and he went back to his life of fishing because he probably thought that this part of his life of following Jesus was now over. And my guess is, is that many of us have done the same after a significant failure in our life that we quit and we ran away. Or maybe for some of us, we did the opposite and we did what Shauna did and that we dug in even harder and we tried harder because we never ever wanted to experience failure in that part of our life again. But when we look at Peter's life, what we see is, was that failure was not the end of his story. And the truth is, it's not the end of ours as well. And after Jesus was raised from the dead, the story, the scriptures tell us that he went and he pursued and he found Peter and they had a conversation over breakfast. And this is what was spoken. These are the words that were spoken. It says, when they, meaning Peter and Jesus, had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. And so again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And so Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus said, feed my sheep Jesus asked him three times basically the same question in many ways do you love me and what Jesus then did is that he affirmed Peter three times and then he forgave him and he restored him and he also reminded Peter this is what I have called you to do which was to play a pivotal role in building as well as leading his church Because Peter's name originally was Simon. And Jesus is the one who changed it to Peter, which means rock, saying that he would use Peter and his confession that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of the living God, to build and to lead his church. Because that is what God had, that's what Jesus had called Peter to do. And that is who Peter was. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell him. He was trying to tell Peter, Peter, your name is not failure. It's not denier. It's not betrayer. That, all those things are lies. And it's probably how he was feeling. But what he was saying to him was, Peter, your name is forgiven. No matter what you've done, your name is accepted. Your name is child of God. And Jesus refused to allow Peter's failure to define him. And something that I've struggled with in my life for so many years is people pleasing. And there have been times after I have walked off this stage that I have honestly wanted to crawl under a rock because I thought the message that I gave was so awful. And in those moments, my primary concern wasn't God's opinion of me, but rather it was yours and what you all thought of me. But what's also so interesting is that and it's been after many of those messages that the most people have come up to me saying how powerfully the message impacted them. And at least at the beginning, I used to think to myself, were you listening, right? Did you hear the same message that I heard? Because I have no idea how that could happen from what had just happened over there, what was just said. But it's always been a reminder to me that God can speak through anything and anyone and in the scriptures, the story there's one story that says that God spoke through a donkey. And it gives me a little bit of comfort that if God can speak through a donkey, then, hey, you know what? It can happen to me as well. But because I struggle with people-pleasing, something that I almost always do before I come up here, is I'll spend a few seconds, and I'll open up my hands, and I'll pray, Lord, Lord, I release my, my fear of what other people may think of me to you. And then I'll close up my hands and I'll pray, Lord, I take hold of who you say I am. That who I am in your eyes is that I am loved, accepted, and that I am your son. And it's a reminder to me that this, it doesn't define who I am. That no matter what happens here, when I go home, I'm still a husband, I'm still a father to my kids. And let me tell you, my kids think every single one of my messages are really, really boring anyways. So you know what? I have that going for me. But it's also, but the most important thing that it reminds me of is that no matter what happens in my life, no matter what I do, no matter what is done to me, what will never ever change is how God views me. That no matter what happens in my life, I will always be a child. I will always be a son of God. That I could fail miserably in my life. And that failure will never ever define me. And that's not just true for me. That's true for all of us, all of us here. And this is the thing that we have all experienced failure in our life. And for some of us, we have experienced big failure. And maybe as a result of that, that we believe that who we are, not all of who we are, but there's a portion, there's that voice in our head that says that we are hopeless, that we are worthless, that we are defeated, that we are a disappointment. And if that is you, and you hear that voice in your head, that today that you would understand that just because we have failed does not mean that we are a failure. And that failure does not define us, but God defines us. Because in Christ, what our identity is, what our name is, who we are, is that we're not rejected, but rather we're accepted. We're not defeated, but rather we're victorious. Our name is not failure, but rather it's set free and forgiven. And that is who we are. And so often in my life, I have worn this name tag. And we all know those name tags that say, hello, my name is... Right? And many times, that name tag has said failure. It said disappointment. It said defeated or whatever it is. And today, what God, I truly believe, wants to say to us as a community is that is not the name that I have given you. That is not who you are. But at the same time, this is what's so important, that we can know this all day up here. But to truly embrace it, to truly accept it, to truly live in it, and to actually move forward To actually being that person, that is a completely different story. And we can't try and try and try. We can, but it usually doesn't result in lasting change. And that the only one who could truly transform this is God. When we come to him and say, remind me who I am. Show me who I am. And as you lead me, help me to follow you. So I could be that person and free from these chains that have tangled me for so long. And when we go back to Peter's life, what we see was that failure was not the end of his story because after Jesus rose from the dead, that he forgave and he restored Peter and then Jesus, he returned to heaven. And what ended up happening was that after Jesus left, that on the day of Pentecost, the day that the church began, Peter was the keynote speaker. He's the guy who talked to all of these people. And in the New Testament book of Acts, we're told that about 3,000 people came to know Jesus that day. They made a decision to follow Jesus. And so the question that we have to ask is, how is Peter the one who was chosen to speak to all of these people? How is this guy who denied and betrayed Jesus, the one chosen to speak on repentance and forgiveness? And what we have to understand is that there is no one better qualified to speak on repentance and forgiveness than the one who has repented and been forgiven. And there are so many people in our lives and people around us who are going through or who have gone through what we have experienced in our life. The pain, the heartbreak, the failures that we have experienced in our life. And the best person to walk alongside of these people isn't someone who can talk about these things in theory, but rather it's someone who has experienced them firsthand, who understands what it feels like. Because the person who's the best qualified to reach a prisoner is someone who's been in prison. The person who's the most qualified to reach someone who's lost their business, been forced to declare bankruptcy is someone who has lost it all. The best person to reach an addict is someone who understands what it feels like to have that power over them. And somebody very wise once said, never put a period where God puts a comma. And I think that is so true in our life because when we experience failure, when I experience failure, what I wanna do is after that incident, after that event, I just wanna put a big fat period right there because I don't wanna think about it anymore and I cannot even fathom how God could use that event, that portion of my life. So I just wanna sweep it away, sweep it under the rug and forget about it. But I truly believe It's after these moments in our life that God does not put a period, but rather he says, he puts a comma because he says, I am not finished. And so maybe our marriage fell apart. And I truly believe it's not a period after that, but it's a comma. Because God wants to pick up the pieces of our broken lives and he wants to use our story to not only change us and continue to change us, but also to change the people around us as well. And maybe we've experienced huge failure maybe we've experienced massive failure or big failure in the area of our career, but I truly believe after that is not a period, but rather it's a comma. Because God, maybe God wants to use that moment to move us in a different direction, his direction that we've been running from for so long. And as we begin to move towards him, that he wants to use our story to also impact the lives of others around along the way. And this is the thing, this is the truth that I feel like is so important for us to understand is that failure, it not only doesn't define us, but failure is not final. It doesn't have to have the last say. That very thing that we believe makes us unacceptable, unlovable, unusable by God may be the very thing, maybe the greatest source of strength that God uses not only to elevate us, but that he uses us to elevate the people around us and is a source of hope, that is a source of joy, that is a source of peace for others as well. And not only is able to set us free, but also that he is able to help use us to set others free as well. And this is what we see as a part of Shauna's story as well. So we're going to be watching the second portion of her story. But before we do, we also want to receive our offering for today as well. And one of the things that I want to say is I want to say thank you for your generosity as a community. Because it's not just people in this room and watching on stream who have experienced failure. But there are people, every single person in this world have experienced failure and pain and heartbreak. And it's because of your generosity, not just in terms of finances, but also your time and other resources. in the way that this community moves out that allows us to take the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus out to people. And to really be able to communicate this does not Define you. So thank you. Whether it's the homeless in Detroit, whether it's uh, girls who have been trafficked in Nepal, so many incredible things that God has used this community to do. And so if you would like to give, there are a number of ways that we can do so, and it's going to come up on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977. We can also give via, uh, via the app or the website as well. And that's very, very quick. Probably takes like less than 20 seconds. Or for those of us here in the room, we can also give via the boxes that are at every entrance and every exit. So thank you, Troy community. And so let's take a look at the second part of Shauna's story together.
3: remember this one time it was with a co-worker and I don't remember what the mess up was or the mistake I had done something I had failed at something and all I saw in that moment was that now yes once again I'm a failure I'm a loser I'm nobody I, I mean nothing and this co-worker he took me and he pulled me in real close and he took my head and he pulled it right up close and he held it there this hands on my head and just spoke words, words of life, words of who God sees me to be. And as he was speaking these words, it was like destroying all of the things that I was thinking about myself, all of the negativity, all of the insecurity, all of the ways that I was devaluing myself. He was speaking these words of grace and love. Of who Jesus sees me to be. Another important person really in that journey has been my husband. Because this would flesh out in some ways, not just at work, but in marriage and in family and in life. But I've had these people that have shown me that it's okay, that failure is not fatal, and that in that also that God wants to meet me there that I actually don't have to strive or be perfect to be a follower of Jesus. He's not looking for that, that he actually will come meet me in the brokenness even today. I don't think I'd say I've completely figured this all out. And I still kind of get mixed up in striving for excellence because I highly value it. But I've been on a journey of learning God's grace. His grace for me. And that it's okay. Because he accepts me just as I am.
2: And I love that image that Shauna gave us of that person, of that coworker who just grabbed her face and brought it close and reminded her that this is who you are. But at the same time, that after that conversation, Shauna had a very important decision to make. And that decision was to either actually choose to accept it or to reject it. And we see the same thing with Peter because everything that Jesus said to Peter and he said, you know what? Failure doesn't define you. Failure's not final. Peter could have just said, thanks so much, Jesus. I'm going to go back to fishing. And it would have been all for naught. But Peter had the courage in that moment to choose to believe. He had the courage to begin to move towards Jesus. And as he did, the chains of his past failures began to fall away. And he stepped into, in a greater way, the freedom of his God-given future. And it's the same thing for every single one of us as well is that God says that this is who you are. You're my son, you're my daughter, that you are beloved, that you are chosen, that you are accepted. I haven't, my, my dream for you is not for you to be in chains and to live your life like that, but rather for you to set free, to be set free, to run. And that is what I want for you. But we have to choose to begin to move, to begin to move towards God, to begin to embrace it, to begin to believe it. And as God nudges us in other ways for us to say yes and for us to have the courage to do that. And maybe for some of us, what God is inviting us to do is to share the pain of our past failure with a trusted friend, maybe with a counselor, maybe to jump into and take a step toward into CR. Maybe it's to invite other people to pray for us, but whatever it is that we as a community, that we would say yes and that we would take that step today. And so Nate, And our band, they're gonna lead us in just a really powerful song. It's called Run to the Father, that we would do exactly that today. And as this song is being sung over us, that we would also ask God a very important question. What is the one step that you want me to take today, God? What is the one step that you want me to take so that I'm no longer in chains in this area, but rather so I can move towards you in the life that you have for me? So let's step into this next moment together.
0: I carried a burden for too long on my own I wasn't created to bury it So some the say
2: So, Father, we do run to you, Lord. We run to you today, understanding that you are the greatest source, Lord, and the only one who could truly bring about healing and restoration in our lives, Lord, from these past hurts and these past failures that so often, Lord, hold us down, Lord. And so we all carry these burdens around with us, And show us today, Lord, the step that you desire for us to take to move towards freedom in a greater way, to move towards you in a greater way. And as you reveal that to us, also give us the courage to be able to do so, Lord, because oftentimes it's hard and it definitely isn't easy. God, as we've been carrying these things around for so long, oftentimes it's just easier to sit in that and to live like that. But we recognize that you desire for us to be free. Show us how to do that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are never alone. And as our Father, that you walk with us, that you carry us, Lord, and that you are always present with us. Thank you for your love and care for us as your children. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You all can have a seat because a couple of things or one thing that I really want to mention is that this is my hope and my prayer for us as a community that we would be this type of community, that we would be these people who truly run to the Father with everything in our lives, not just the difficult and painful things, but also the beautiful things as well. And something that I want to mention is that we as a staff have been doing this on Tuesday mornings and that every Tuesday for the past couple of months that we have been coming together and spending about 45 minutes to an hour just really praying and seeking God and asking for his wisdom, asking for his direction in regards to our community, particularly in the area of a senior leader. And as we have prayed and especially as the elders have prayed and they have prayed so much they've sought God they've been fasting I truly believe that God has provided clarity and he has also provided direction and so we want to make we want to communicate something amazing to you today really really excited about the future of this community about of Kensington as a whole and so let's take a look at this video together
4: From before 1990 to 2019 God Called me and allowed me to lead this place called Kensington with some of the greatest leaders and people I've ever known. And it's been a wild journey, (laughs) full of beautiful surprises, unforeseen heartbreak, challenges, constant. And if I were to write them all down, I know I would need three or four books to capture, even to begin to capture those memories. And thankfully, over these years, God has continued to lead the way, and there have always been a great team of men and women to help navigate all those messy and uncertain situations. And the people I've had the privilege to meet along the way, including you, so many priceless and unforgettable faces. And one of those faces is this beautiful man (laughs) sitting next to me, Craig Mace, Dr. Craig Mace. And a lot of you know him uh, from our Clinton Township campus, where in October of 2020, he agreed to be the interim lead over there at Clinton Township as we continued our search for a permanent lead for Clinton. He held that position for a little over a year. He's been an amazing leader in that role and so grateful that Adam Karshner Mm -hmm. is now the head at Clinton Township. And I love your mentoring and pouring into him. But a lot of you probably don't know that Craig was on our staff at Kensington, even in Clinton Township, long before that. We hired Craig back in 2000 to help people grow spiritually in practical ways. Craig was also a teacher on a regular basis at our weekend. The midweek services were incredible, and he served as an elder. And in 2006, when we started our second extension campus in Macomb County, it was called East Campus at the time, it's now Clinton Township, we asked Craig to be the lead teacher for our new campus, which he graciously agreed to do. And then in 2008, he complicated my life. He came to me and said, you thought God was calling you to start a church in New York City. and I was half excited and half angry because I loved having you here. But over these years, we loved being able to support you and Chris and give you our full blessing to launch Communitas in New York City. And then, of all things, Craig became the director of the New York City Rescue Mission for years. And Craig has spent these last decade, for sure, being with the richest of the rich and some of the most influential people in America, and then the poorest and the most downtrodden. But in all of this, Craig has never lost his deep passion for people to know Jesus. And as you know, the elders, in fact, as you don't know, the elders have worked so tirelessly the last few years, keeping their eyes and their hearts open as God was taking Kensington through changes and the person that was gonna lead us. And I want you to know very clearly, we're gonna continue that search with the help of an excellent national Christian executive church firm. But in the meantime, the elder board unanimously has asked Dr. Craig Mays, to take the role as Kensington lead pastor. Craig is gonna lead us in our mission to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. He's shown great wisdom, leadership, and a willingness to follow only Jesus with great humility. And I think those are key mm-hmm. roles. And I think the other one that I would add is the well-being that you've brought just the last two years.
5: Well, I, I just wanna share with you, Steve, that um, without question, one of the greatest events in my life was when I was invited to join the staff of Kensington in the year Mm -hmm. 2000. At that point, I had been in ministry about 20 years. I was feeling very restless, really kind of bored, if I'm honest. And uh, Chris and I sensed that God was leading us into a new direction, Mm -hmm. and Kensington turned out to be what he had in mind. The two things that stand out were the emphasis on the one, your love for Luke 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son, that really Mm -hmm. defined the DNA of Kensington, Mm -hmm. and then the global outreach um, that began to develop. And in fact, Mm -hmm. the year 2000, you and I took our daughters, dragged them all the way over to India uh, to meet Jaya Sankar. And Jaya in India became our first global partner. And then the following year it was with Julius. But that trip planted the seeds in my life that I think led us eventually to New York to serve the poor. So after being away 12 years in the fall of 2020, it was with great honor Mm -hmm. um, that I was invited to come back to serve at Clinton Township. In a season of transition, it's been a great reunion with old friends and an opportunity to forge new friendships. But I do want to say that uh, as far as Communitas, because we have so many people in Kensington that pray for our church, that support us, that that church is alive and well, that Chris, who's been leading it for the last 10 years, will continue Mm -hmm. to be the lead pastor there. And uh, I will be serving here in Michigan, and together we've figured out the last two years how to make this work, where we can, we've been married 37 years, so we, we know how to make it work, that we can serve these two beautiful churches, the Parent Church Kensington and the Daughter Church Communitas in New York City. The other thing I wanted to just share with you, Steve, in, in this moment, is that you really are one of my heroes. Uh, the first time I heard you cast Vision, it was when we were introducing Vision 2020. <laughs> yeah. You remember that, mm-hmm. and it was a, just a staff and some volunteers gathered together, And I listened to your heart and you wept over the vision of church planning. And I went home and told my wife, Chris, I will follow this man anywhere. Mm. And and really New York City was you, you inspired me. And now coming back to following your footsteps here, I I never thought following you would literally mean this, but uh, I am honored um, and we're gonna move forward. I want you to know that um, I think the elders have sensed that it's not time to stand still, that we wanna build on the firm foundation of your 32 years of amazing leadership. Um, There's much to do in the days ahead. As lead pastor, I am super excited to serve alongside of the elders, the lead pastors of our six campuses who are all extraordinary, and the nearly 200 staff to continue to effectively minister in a rapidly changing culture.
4: Mm.
5: My passion, my personal passion, is to help people to know and follow Jesus. We will continue to pursue the one who is far from God, and at the same time, to effectively develop fully devoted followers of Jesus. And we're going to continue to move out into our local communities. And we're going to stretch our influence to the corners of our planet. We will step with intentionality into this season of theological reformation that is taking place. And in the name and in the wisdom and grace of Jesus, we will be his voice and his hands in the midst of our current cultural upheaval. You know, the legacy of Kensington is immense. Yet I believe that the best years are ahead. I am extremely grateful for and deeply humbled by the opportunity to be a part of what God is going to do in and through us.
4: And I want to just add something to that, which is really fun. I'm also absolutely thrilled to announce that the elders have, uh, and you've come back and you've been working on this, to officially invite Andrew Kim to take the role as lead pastor of the Troy campus, which he was joyfully accepted. I want to thank you for reading that.
5: And actually... Um, I've only been on the job four days, and I already got it done.
4: (laughs) There's a lot to do. But the reality
5: is that I've gotten to know Andrew over the last year and a half or so, and he's an amazing person. And I'm so excited for Andrew and Robin and their family uh, to step into this role and uh, to to lead, because he's going to lead well. He's a great communicator. He has such passion for the community and for the world. Mm. And his love for Jesus and for others just spills forth all the time. So we're super excited for Troy campus and for Andrew. Yeah.
4: So there you got it, guys. Men and women out there serving with us and following Jesus. Craig's our new lead pastor. Andrew's accepted the role as Troy Campus lead pastor. I'm so grateful for you, brother, and for Andrew. And I really am excited for the great things ahead. Love to you. Thank you.
6: Truly great news. So um, if we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Mervat Denno, and I'm the campus director here at Troy Campus. And with me are two of our elders, Peng Lee and Mike Cornell, who are here to celebrate today. Uh, a lot of good news. Um, both having Craig May step in in the role of lead pastor of the Kensington movement to bring unity and vision and so that we can go, while the elders continue to look for a senior leader and the news that we heard today that specific Detroit campus uh, of Andrew Kim being the new lead pastor, right? So, so good. Yeah, Andrew and Robin and their lovely family joined us about four and a half years ago with, with, with Aliana and Isaiah, and then Mia came along here. And immediately, um, Andrew and Robin fell in love with the mission and vision and the, of the Kensington movement and fell in love with all of you, the Troy community. And you um, did the same. You embraced them. And it's been four and a half years of teaching, walking alongside you, a lot of conversations and meetings and weddings and funerals and newborn babies and marriage conversations. So uh, we're just grateful for that season that we have had together and um, it made and in over the last two months, actually, as Andrew stepped up to lead more. It's been a privilege to lead with Andrew this campus. And it made it easy for the elders and the teachers to say, Andrew's the one. So that made it super easy. So come on up.
2: That's amazing. That's, that's like, I'll remember
7: this. Wow, a dog barking. <laughs> uh, well, thank you all. Feel free to have a seat. Um, it is an honor uh, to be able to be here, uh, to know your family, for one, and know the heart that God has given you for him and for this place. And so I want to read a little scripture. Uh, it, I think you'll find it uh, as who he is, and then maybe a little challenge along the way for you. Uh, This is Colossians uh, in the first chapter. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope that God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. And then he talks a little bit about a guy named Epaphras, but we're going to include the word the name Danny and Mervat and the staff because they have expressed so much. They have told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. And so it's a beautiful marker for you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard uh, about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding because this role is gonna require spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. And that's I know your prayer for us that our lives will produce good fruit. All the while you will grow and learn to know God better and better. And that's what we've seen in you and wanna to continue to see that. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have the endurance and patience you need. This is a tough role. It's gonna require patience and endurance. The people, the people at times are gonna grumble, right? People pleaser, that's a bad combination. So let's just recognize patience and endurance. And then sometimes when they grumble, they're going to be right. So you're going to have to be patient with yourself because you've been wrong, and that's okay. God's got you. And I want you to know that we fully support you, and I'm sure all of you are going to fully support you. Uh, So a couple more verses. This is the nice part. Uh, May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that God belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his dear Son. And that's what we're about, the kingdom of God. Can you kneel? We'll, We'll say a prayer for you. Heavenly Father, there is great joy in our hearts as we consider the way that you have um, raised up Andrew and his family, the way you continue to speak to him. Lord, we do ask for continued wisdom. May he hear your voice, your voice softly, clearly, loudly in the way that he needs to for the benefit of others. We ask a blessing upon him of um, joy and peace and great fruit, and may his family be strengthened and encouraged by all of us here. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. <clears throat> Mind-
6: Jesus, Pro- of
2: Jesus. Android, I don't even know. To, I don't even know <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to say a few words. I know um, where we are in time, but I'm just going to say a few things because that's what I do. I'm a professional talker. Um, But one of the things that really uh, struck me as I was thinking about um, just reflecting on everything that has happened and stepping into this role is that something that Mervette actually said in a meeting that we were a part of. And she said, we all stand on the shoulders of giants And I feel like that is so true. And after she said that, I was just looking back and just reflecting on all the people or many of the people who God has used to shape, to mold, to create who we are today as Troy Campus. People like Steve Andrews, who we saw in the video, Steve Norman, Nancy Worm, Danny Cox, uh, Mervette, Nate, people who continue to have a legacy here And one of the people who has had the greatest impact on my life, and if you have been around here for any length of time, you understand, is Danny. And he is a dear friend. He has impacted my life in extraordinary ways, and that's how God has used him. And so I recognize and that we recognize that we stand on the shoulders of giants, and the greatest giant is God himself. who who continues to lead us, who continues to give us everything that we need, even though we are broken and I am broken and I need him so desperately every single day and we're all broken. But yet through us as a community, he continues to do beautiful things. And as I look into the future for us as a Kensington community, as a movement, I am filled with hope, I'm filled with excitement because one of the things about Craig and that I know that many of you know him is that he has a beautiful heart. He truly has an extraordinary mind and he has a burning passion to see people come to know and to follow Jesus. And one of the things with Craig is that I know it's not just words because he has lived this out, not just over years, but really over decades, not just here in the Metro Detroit area, but also in New York City and serving the community of communitas, people who are homeless, people who are addicts, people who are broken, just like us but are in a little bit of a different area in their life, a different stage in their life, but yet he has loved them so well. I love this man. And that's one of the reasons why I am so excited about this new season that we enter into. But at the same time, as I look at Troy as well, I'm also filled with an equal amount of hope and excitement because our heart has always been, at least the time that I've been here, has been that our seats would look like our city and that our campus would be a reflection of the city that God has strategically and intentionally placed us in, because we're not here by accident, but God has said, you know, in Troy, Michigan, I am putting this community to be a light, and that our community truly would be an accurate reflection of that. And one of the hallmarks of Troy is that it's an incredibly diverse place. And we've said this before, that there are more than 99 distinct languages spoken in the school system, And in the school system, 62% of the students are students of color. And that number is getting bigger and bigger and bigger every single year. And so our desire as as the Troy campus is for us to be an intercultural community, to move towards that. Because I truly believe that's not just a reflection of our city. That truly is a reflection of the heart of God. But in addition to that, Troy... Being who we are and being where we are, it's very family-oriented. And so we have a lot of families here, and so we want to continue to invest in our families. We want to continue to focus on discipleship. We want to continue to move out because it's a hallmark of not just our campus but our entire Kensington movement to continue to move out and to serve and love our neighbors who are all around us in a selfless and sacrificial way so that if one day we were not here, that our neighbors would actually miss us and they would be heartbroken. Not because necessarily they believe what we believe, but because we loved in a radical and Christ-like manner. And so I'm excited about that because this has been what we have been about. This isn't new for us, but this is what we will continue to press into because I truly believe that this is the heart, that this is the purpose, that this is the vision that God has given us as a community. And so I'm excited and I hope you are as well. And as Mervette mentioned, my family and I, we have been here for four and a half years. And when we first got here in January of 2018, it was freezing cold outside. And we moved into our home and it was like three degrees. And I was wondering, I think, have we made a mistake? And four and a half years later, we can confidently say that we did not. And we are so incredibly grateful. You have embraced us. You have loved us so well. And so as we, I step into this role, my hope is, is that I would love you in exactly the same way and that I would serve you like this as you have loved and served us and been a beautiful reflection of the heart of Jesus to us. And so I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you for embracing us. Thank you, Thank you for accepting us. And so as we enter into this new season, I wanted to, I wanted to pray. And so would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we thank you that you continue to lead us. And that has not changed. It never has changed, Lord. You have always been our leader. You have always been the one who has led this movement, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that you continue to lead us. And we continue to pray, Lord, give us what we need. Because we are broken people, Lord. And we rely upon you, Lord, because you're the only one who can give us what we need to carry out this mission that you have given us of reaching the one, the one who is far from you, whether it be people who are living in our neighborhoods, in our city, nationally, and globally, God. We thank you, Lord, for Craig. Lord, thank you for his heart. And we pray that you would bless him and Chris, God, their family, and also give them strength, Lord, as this is also a transition for them. And they're gonna be navigating everything, not just with Kensington, but with Communitas as well. Thank you, Lord, for their beautiful heart. Lord, which is truly a reflection of you. And I'm also grateful for this campus and this community, Lord, that you've strategically and intentionally placed us in the city of Troy. Help us to be your light, a light that doesn't just shine dimly, Lord, but truly, Lord, brightly, and is able to push back the darkness, Lord. Thank you for the staff here, which is so incredible, the people, the men and women that you have brought here. Thank you, Lord, for the people who are sitting in the seats right now, people who are watching via stream. I'm so incredibly grateful for them, Lord, a beautiful, beautiful community. Help us, Lord, to look more like you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you love this community. And we pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. And so as we end today, one of the things I want to say is that if you have any questions about Craig or myself stepping into these new roles, I, myself, um, Mike, as well as Peng, Mervet, Nate, will all be out in the lobby. And feel free just to come and love to answer questions and have a conversation. And so thank you so much, everyone. Thank you so much for those of you who are streaming. Have a great rest of your weekend.
0: You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.